All right. So in the bulletin, all the announcements of where that is and all that. It's just such an incredible ministry and all the other ministries we have for those sort of issues, weakness issues of every kind. It's just such an amazing thing that God's been developing around us. And of course, as we've been dealing so um, responsibly and so carefully with the poor and the weak, of course, the addictions and all of those that come with them have been uh, really first and foremost on our mind as well and the healing that comes as well. So by God's grace, uh, we're, we're doing amazing work in that dimension, just trying to redeem everybody, right? From the worst poverty, which actually some addictions cause, to the worst addiction and all the rest. So, Lord, we just thank you for the grace we've been given uh, so far through the years. We just bless you, Lord. So I want to talk today about standing firm in the love of God. And uh, hopefully hopefully everybody has an outline. We should say that at the top. That, that means you've got the right outline. And uh, welcome to all of you who are newer to us. Uh, glad to see you today. I just it was a wonderful sense of the presence of the Lord, as there always is. But uh, just today was just really, really uh, pregnant with the love of God. I just could feel God's love everywhere. Didn't you feel that a little bit? You know, uh, it's just so nice uh, that without anybody saying anything, just worshiping and honoring the Lord, how His presence just comes and sweeps down and just uh, lands on us. I would say, if anything you could say about us, if you don't know who we are, uh, we are a presence-driven church, absolutely, and um, driven by the presence of the Lord. And um, and we can do that simply because of what Jesus did for us by paving the way, by sacrificing for our sins and then sending the amazing Holy Spirit to help us and talk to us and work us through any problem. And one of the most powerful dimensions of that sending, that coming of the Holy Spirit is love. And um, I've been thinking a little bit about some of the problems we've been experiencing around the world and, of course, the United States. And uh, I think all of us know that we're in a very unusual time. And uh, uh, historically, and somehow or another, we know something's going on here. We're not sure how to put our finger on it, but uh, we're just not in Kansas anymore. God bless Kansas, but this is... <laughs> I'm taking that of Dorothy, right? That's, that's This is different, right? Uh, very, very different. So... I think that uh, coping with that is one of the things that I think all believers are trying to do, coping with the news, coping with the, the, uh, the diseases and the mental illnesses and the decisions that are being made uh, politically and all kinds of things. But I wanted to just read from Matthew 24, 1 to 14 and start there for a little bit. So uh, beginning with verse 1, Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him and to call his attention to his buildings. Do you see all these things, he asked? Truly I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Now, it's very interesting, um, that question, right? Uh, what will be the signs of your coming and the end of the age? And I believe Matthew 24 has a dual focus, a dual uh, understanding the principles in it are all for all ages, but in terms of history, I think it was as you read through Matthew 24, I think you get the sense, and I think most commentators would say something along these lines that, that what happens in Matthew 24 is not only uh, for the end days, but it's for actually what would happen 40 years later with the destruction of the temple and what would happen in that immediate after, aftermath, right? So the, and it must have seen, seemed for those disciples like the end of the ages, for sure. 
uh, and those Jews, of course, when the temple went down. And I think sometimes prophecy in the scriptures telescopes. It gives you a picture of something close up, but then also something far away, right? So there are things, there are scriptures that are mixed in here, especially when we get to verse 14, that go into our day, right? But in a sense, um, these things that are happening have been happening ever since the death of Jesus and escalating, changing, and history has been rearranging and forming. But eventually, I'll reach that time where Jesus comes back, right? But anyway, so as we read some of these verses, uh, it's incredible. There's some really important things, especially in these first few verses, that I think are really important for us today, even right now. Do you see all these things? He he asked. Truly, I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down, thinking of the temple. And of course, the end of the temple for the Jews was the end of their universe. I mean, it was like that's the worst thing could possibly happen, and then be scattered as well, and the nation basically being fragmented again. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So he's asking a couple of questions there, right? There's the end time, end time, and then these other things that he said about the stones. The stones not standing one on top of the other happened just a few years later, right? Uh, To be exact, about 40 years later. But then the things he's speaking of also telescope down to the present time. Jesus, you know, telescope, how you right, you unfold it like that, right? Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, and, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you'll be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. That's a very important phrase there. That's really, really important for our day. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And again, in verse 14, never has there been, and you might not know this, Sometimes our church, the church isn't really much aware of this, but there's a massive revolution going on all around the world. The world has never been infiltrated with the gospel like it is today. When it says, in this gospel of the kingdom we preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, that word nations isn't referring to the geopolitical nations that we know. It's more ethnos, it's ethnic groups. It's more like, for example, in India, there's hundreds and hundreds of nations within the nation. Right, culturally speaking, Muslims and Hindus and Buddhists and all kinds. And there are subgroups, even in a place like Iran and other nations, who really have an identification with themselves. They may be within a geopolitical nation, but he's really talking about the ethnic groups, the ones that have such a high identity with one another. They speak the same language. They have same cultural customs. And the gospel has this way of infiltrating those groups and then spreading through them like wildfire, which is what's happening today, right? Never before... In the history of the world, have the nations been impacted like they are at the moment that we speak? So it's a sign of us, uh, one of the biggest signs that we know of really uh, where we are uh, in world history. It's really quite uh, remarkable. Even our little church, and I'm looking at some of your faces who have been with me, our our church who has this massive um, commitment to the nations, uh, we just didn't know that we'd get to be a part of something amazingly ground to grand, a movement actually that has now resulted in 25,000 churches in India over a period of the last 20 years. 
infiltrating tribes and nations, every kind of group you can imagine over several states now. We've just launched into seven more states, and the revival, the movement just keeps going. It goes past every boundary, every Muslim, Buddhist, every kind of religion, Hindu, goes right over the boundaries. It's like it's leaping over boundaries that traditionally held the gospel uh, in place, right? And, and, and moved across cultures in every language you can imagine. It's just really quite remarkable, right? So I, I got to be careful because if I get down that, I'll miss my sermon. But anyway, I got to I got to go back, right? Let's go back to verse 10, and you look at Roman numeral one there. How the people of our culture are becoming increasingly scandalized. Uh, we're offended, right? So if you look at verse 10, at that time many will turn away from the faith and will betray each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people because of the increase of wickedness the love of most will grow cold but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved that phrase there but the love of most will be cold is a critical thing right now um, that word because of the increase of uh, wickedness the love of most will be cold and, and but the one who stands firm to the end it's a real critical uh, thing and and um, and uh, the word where it says uh, um, uh, the word translated turn away in verse 10 it says at that time many will turn away is the word scandalizo now you can get that scandal there right at that time many will turn away from the faith many will turn away at that time so scandalizo is like offense the word scandalize right to put a stumbling walk in the way to offend to cause a, trust, a person to distrust and desert one whom he ought to trust and obey and so the word scandalon is like if I used to do this in the desert when I was a kid, right? So I loved catching lizards and whatever else I could find, right? So I'd fix this little stick, right? And I put a little bait there and there'd be a box. And so what would happen is the little animal would get the little bait, right? Pull the stick and then down would come the trap. And then I had him, right? So that's exactly what God, uh, the enemy has done. He's created bait. And what's happened is we take that bait and it's scandalized, it's offended. So our culture is full of offense right now. So there's stumbling blocks all over the place. Never has our culture experienced so much offense. To cause a person to distrust and desert one whom he ought to trust and obey, taking this bait stick of unfulfilled expectation. We live right now in an unprecedented atmosphere of unfulfilled expectations. And I would say with it, betrayal, right? Betrayal. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. This betrayal is a really critical, and will betray and hate each other. So we're in the midst of this sort of environment right now. There's never been so much tension relationally in so many, many ways. Verses 11 says, and many false prophets will appear. And uh, I, I believe that's true now. There's uh, lots of uh, false uh, prophecy, lots of false foretelling. A false prophet will be someone that's saying, this is the way to do this. This is the way to do that. This is the way to do this, right? Many, we see, I see it even in our advertisements and uh, and, and stuff, you know. Um, I mean, just even in this political season, you can see uh, people promising, saying things, but their words are twisted, right? You know, uh, there's one that's uh, even uh, saying, maligning one of the candidates for being against abortion and saying, well, you know, we can't have that. 
Um, that's government interference and using the words of other things that would say, you know, um, there's too much government, right? So this is too much government overreach. We want the government to be left alone from religion, blah, 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 right? And all these distortions, we live just in an unprecedented time. And, uh, and, and mentions here betrayal and false prophets, wickedness, lawlessness. And then here's the most important thing for us, one of the most important things, along in addition to our fight for the truth. And this is the one I really, really want to address specifically because it's the root of a lot of problems that we believers are going to get into and a lot of people all over are going to get into if we don't settle this issue. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. The love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. So the issue about standing firm in the end is not going to be exactly your politics. The end is going to be determined by how much love remains in your heart. Because love doesn't just bring it a gushy feeling. Love brings, as we're going to see, discernment. When your heart's full of love, you can discern things properly. And um, at the end of this, I'll say this again in a different way. But uh, Jesus said, for the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he's doing. You see, where true discernment comes is from the love of God. Then it helps you discern and put everything in its place. It doesn't mean that it's namby-pamby and weak, but rather quite the opposite. Love is what sent Jesus right in the teeth of the Roman Empire to a horrible crucifixion, Right? And so that one judicial event caused the eventual demise of the Roman Empire, right? And every other empire, right, that would come against uh, the people of God. You just see it over time, right? But love is critical because also with love we get discernment and uh, we begin to see clearly, right? So we can't let love grow cold in the midst of many false prophets appearing and deceiving and many false narratives, right? We can't let, ultimately, the love of God grow cold in us because the love of God not only prepares us to serve the community, but gives us eyes for our community, helps us to see. And it also continues to propel us out into the farthest reaches of humanity. If you want to know what's on God's heart, above all things, you can look at verse 14. This gospel of the kingdom we preach in the whole world is a testimony to all nations, and then will come. We have a tendency to be myopic, but when you look out across the nations, vast populations, vast populations who even in our day, we're talking multiplied millions who have never heard the name of Jesus one time, have no idea who Jesus is. We can't even imagine that in our world, but they are, they are there. They're all there. And the Father hasn't forgot about, about them. And he isn't not coming back till every one of them has a chance to respond to the gospel. So our church's uh, mission is bigger and brighter than we, met, we, we, we thought. We're not only fighting for the soul of our nation, but we're also fighting for all the nations. And if you want to know where God's big heart is, it's there, out there in those places. And as we see the earth, the most wondrous thing of all, and I know many of us don't track this, we're Americans, you know, we just live here, you know. We don't, we don't have as big a sense of the world as many nations are. They're forced to integrate and to know one another a little bit better. But, but there is right now an unbelievable, unparalleled move of God. And to the surprising places of all the places, you know, you think of Iran, for example, we think, wow, what a brutal place. There is a major move of God percolating up uh, in every corner of Iran right now. 
It doesn't get too much publicity in the news. But believe me, everybody knows living there. They know. And this is beginning to be a political threat because it's becoming so pervasive. What would happen if the Lord changed the world from the inside out? And those poor Chinese that we're worried about, there's probably 100 million or more believers in, in China. And they're not sitting on their hands. It's actually more than that. Can you imagine? You think they're just sitting on their hands? No, they're evangelizing entire swaths of, of China right now. They're not in the cities as much. They kicked them all out of the cities. Thank God they kicked them out of the cities, the believers. Most of the people don't live in the cities. They live in the countryside. When they kicked all the believers out into the countryside, the countryside's like on fire. You have to see the world a little bit differently. Sometimes uh, we're a little myopic. We actually think of ourselves as Americans as sort of the center of the universe. We have this habit of doing that, right? But we have to look at ourselves bigger. I mean, we even think of ourselves as like the manifest destiny of humanity, you know, in a way. And there's some truth to that, some greatness to it. But listen, there's billions of people out there. (laughs) The, uh, The story of our greatness is greatly exaggerated. There's only one great nation. It's the holy nation, Jesus Christ. Christians throughout the earth, they have the answers. And they are percolating. They are salting the earth right now at a level no one has ever seen. So we cannot go to that space. Uh, I mean, we we have to go and we have to understand and see the whole thing in perspective. It helps us. So I want to focus just a little bit on this whole thing about love, right? Because it seems to be in this passage, uh, the love growing cold is the one thing that seems to really get in the way, especially of us believers. We've got to be very careful. So at the same time, when people are doing ridiculous things, saying ridiculous things, even the authorities over us, the love of God has to burn bright because there's millions upon millions of people who are not governmental figures who need to be saved, delivered. And of course, in this time of great uh, trial with regard to the homelessness and the, the uh, issues of drug addiction that are just getting worse and worse, everybody's trying to figure out a way out of this. And it just gets worse and it just gets worse, right? So for believers, we can't let offense cool our love. It cuts us off from the source of love. It's 2A in your outline of all love, God himself. So we can be trapped in a jail of unforgiveness and with that unforgiveness, demons. So in our quest for truth and righteousness, you've got to be careful in the heart because if the love dies down, what happens is your discernment goes out the window. And you become a fool like everybody else. Right? You do the same foolish, crazy things, but you do it in the name of God. <laughs> so we got to be careful. right? So I think we should be as visible and as vocal as possible, but we got to be careful that we do it at the instigation of God and the way of God, the way that He would want us to do it, right? And God has His ways. And uh, God's not up there going, uh, Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do about America. I'm just terrified. I'm, I'm frightened to death. They're going to swallow my people. Oh, my gosh, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know where that voice came from. <clears throat> Get back, voice. All right, all right here we go. <laughs> Never know what's going to happen when you're speaking up here. All right. So let's look at uh, Matthew 6, verses 12 to 15. This is uh, a on your out- A1 on your outline. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So this is part of the Lord's prayer. 
This is a powerful part of the Lord's Prayer in itself. It's just got great things in it. Even this part of lead us not into temptation, you can say that testing. Lord, just lead us away from trouble is what it's saying. Isn't that great? You can pray that. God, just lead me out of trouble. And Lord, don't let me change jobs or do something stupid with my life that's not right or move to a wrong place or, 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 or call a person a name or <laughs> label somebody or, or whatever that is of these major decisions that we're making during this time, right? And uh, so lead us not into testing, but deliver us. That's the key, right? Uh, from the evil one. What a great part. I, lo- I love this part of the Lord's Prayer. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And I can't think of another place that's worse possibly you could ever be than carry grudges and this sort of thing and not let other people off the hook and then having the Heavenly Father not let you off the hook. Despite your ideology and despite the truth that you may espouse and have, uh, we're not exactly perfect. So we need forgiveness every day. Every day. And it's one of the best aspects Forgiven people have great power, right? Because God's with them. People that won't fess up their weakness and get this false sense of who we are and the strength they have, and blah, 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 right? But see, we get our strength from Jesus. We get our strength from His power, His authority, and we get our knowledge and our information. So what we need to do is learn to forgive and stay forgiving of others, and at the same time, the Lord will forgive our sins, right? which is the most important thing. But with it, it's not just forgiveness, letting us off the hook, but letting us off the hook also gives us the information we need to cope with. God gives us the wisdom that we need to handle things, right? And that's really critical, I think, in this this time. It, it really is uh, important for us in this situation we find ourselves. Look at Matthew 18, verses uh, 21 to 35, on roughly on 2A. I lost my way a little bit, but we're good. <clears throat> then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? And he thought he was being really generous. <laughs> Up to seven times? <laughs> he thought, wow, man, I'm pretty big. I could probably handle that. <laughs> that would be big, too. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Oof. Man, okay. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants as he began the settlement. A man who owed 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him since he was not able to pay the master order that he and his wife and his children and all that he had to be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled that debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant, and you wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In his anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. So offense can cool love. But we need to be moving in the exact opposite direction. Fiery forgiveness. Intense forgiveness. 
for the most ridiculous of people, even when they harm us, right? All right. No, I'm not going to leave it there, but it's important, that heart attitude. Everything starts, it's like this, you know, it's, it's, it's very difficult, you know. Um, you just got to build line upon line, right? And you start at this core, then you build out your heart of wisdom and to know how to handle things from there. But the core has to be this. Knowing where you're at, understanding where you've been forgiven for, and then extending mercy out to the most ridiculous of people. And sometimes people are ridiculous because they're blind, they're stupid, they don't know any better. They've never given their life. They don't have wisdom, right? But we've been in that place. So how we treat them is really, really important. So we don't want to be cut off from that love, right? Don't let your heart be trapped in a heart of judgment. Because once you get trapped in a heart of judgment, what happens is you stop seeing. You cannot hear anymore. Matthew 7, 1. Do not judge or you two will be judged. For in the way you judge others, you'll be measured. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And I say, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. We have to remember not only what we're dealing with now, but how we were extended mercy, how we were stupid, how much damage and trouble we caused, right? And God offered us mercy. So we got to be careful how we, we're working with the world. These people that don't know their right hand from the left, and I would say even uh, all dimensions of that. One of my favorite places to deal with the world right now is just the weak and the poor and those drug addicts and those people that are homeless right now, right? It's so important that we don't... That's why I like to celebrate recovery, by the way, because the root of some of this is just addiction. Others of it, it's mental illness. And it does inconvenience us. It is causing us problems. But these two are serious issues that are threatening to swallow all of us till we get a better way of dealing with it. And we have the key because we have the power and the love. We just got to put ourselves, insert ourselves into this story. Because it's a big part of the story. Of the politics of our time. Not the only story. But it's a big one. And this is a place where we can shine. And actually, and somehow or another, ally with the governments of this world. Align with them. Right? Because they have the same issues and same problems. Police issues. Cleanliness issues. Trouble. So we have a place to interface right here if we jump into this narrative like we have been around here. And we'll continue to do so. It's amazing how we've gotten to know the police around here. It's amazing how I've gotten to know the politicians around here. Because the issues right now are big. They're on every front. But one of the huge issues is this issue with the homeless, which only seems to be getting worse and worse. It's funny. And we're throwing more and more money at it. And it's getting worse and worse. There is a strategy. And there are strategies. And we're one of the ones that actually, i got to say, I'm not saying this in a proud way. I'm just saying as one who's been given a little bit of light and just feels overly and incredibly relieved about it, we've been given some insight about the, the, the ways to handle this issue. And so we're learning how to do this. I say learning. That's something the Lord spoke to me a long time ago as I'm looking at this gigantic, massive problem across our culture that we as churches interface with all the time. A drug addiction and homelessness, all of it. But the Lord's teaching us. The only way He'll teach you, though, is you got to have some compassion left inside of you. Right? Instead of being relieved that these people are over here, over there, not in our hair or our communities or dirtying up our streets anymore. It won't work, guys. It's too pervasive. And so beautiful as Laguna Niguel is, you, not, we can't stand, you can't stop this onslaught of poverty and homelessness. You will not stop it. 
because it's mixed with a drug addiction and everything. So we have to think as the church a little bit ahead of where everybody is. And think about how can we do this, preserve our streets and the order and the beauty of it, and at the same time deal with the homeless and the drug addictions and the issues. And I just want to stand here and say, I couldn't have said this even three or four years ago, but I can stand with absolute confidence, we have begun to find a way. The church should find the way. There is wisdom there. There is wisdom. And if you care to join with us, there's wisdom. We, we don't have all the answers, but we've got a lot more than we had even six months ago in terms of dealing with these root issues and problems, not the least of which is mental illness, not the least of which. Could I just say that? Just I don't even think that may, maybe 75% of the church has even woken up yet. Mental illness is not only a mental and emotional, it is a biological issue. That's a big thing to say. But I'm convinced of it now more than ever. So when we're talking about absolute health issues, biological issues, then we're talking about something different than bad behavior and taking the wrong step into addiction and being evil and belligerent and maybe even murderous, right? So we have this mountain there, and it's pushing up against everything, and especially in our major cities. But it's come to Laguna and Galilee, and it will come to every city. It's impossible. Because everybody's shuffling everybody around, right? And people finding their way on our shores and everywhere, even though we're a very nice community and we have great laws and everything. Nevertheless, this is where we find ourselves, right? All right, I gotta gotta stop preaching on there because when I get there, I keep going. All right, all right. So, uh, going back to why did I get off that? James, tell me where I am. Okay. Uh, let's go to 2B. Okay, try that one. Psalm 66. Verse 17 to 20. I cried out to him with my mouth. His praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened but God has surely listened and heard my prayer. Praise to be, be to God who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. So what's really important right now, again, this heart trapped in a place of judgment, it's really important because, I don't know about you, but I need God to hear my prayers. Oh, yeah. So I can't have judgment in there, the wrong kind of judgment mixed in there without him hearing my prayers, right? especially as far as the Lord will go with regard to his own forgiveness and, and love, right, for other people. So this is really important. Not only that, but judgment, offense, cooling of love down in the name of God, in the name of truth, also does something else. It cools us down from the joy of our salvation, right? So I want to just read these verses. And these are critical things. Because you think, see, the thing is, the problems that we're facing in a nation, we want God to help us. How many want God to help us in our problems right now? Only about 50% of No. How many? The other rest of you are asleep. How many want God to help us? Okay. How many know that we have to have God help us? No matter how smart we are, no matter how, what party we're a part of, how conservative, how liberal, whatever you think, God has to help us. You know, we've got things inside and things outside. 
just a few little things like hurricanes whacking an entire state and everything else. Just lots of things. So when I call on the name of the Lord, I want him to listen, right? So we just talked about that. But also, I need to be excited about my salvation, right? Do not cast my... Um, create in me a pure heart. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. So I need sustaining. My heart on the inside of me needs sustaining. My love needs to be at full bore, full strength, because love then helps me to think clearly, and I begin to think like Jesus. And when I pray, he hears me. Moving mountains is not such a big deal, right? So we have to be careful about our offense level and how we're getting offended, even by evil people, and how we let that get inside of us, because it makes us deaf, dumb, blind, and stupid, right? So we should be able to see them, see what they're at, see that situation, and at the same time have compassion for them. Amen. That's not an easy thing to do, because like my TV is just getting brutalized <laughs> with all the dumb things I hear said, and then I just throw another t- a shoe at it. I just sometimes I got so upset the other day. I just want to tell you, I, I get in these places and I have to get out of them as soon as I get into them, but. I saw this one thing on television the other day, and uh, I don't know if you saw it, just this whole thing. And, um, it's this, about this guy with his kid, and he was, you know, protesting in an abortion uh, clinic, and, uh, and someone attacked his little kid, right? And so he stood up for him, and then they threw him in jail for that, found no crime, obviously, at the local level. Then the FBI took 60 or 70 people and invaded his house. Can you believe that? Why would you do that? This is a simple guy. No politician, nothing, right? So it took me a while to get over that offense. All right? How can you how can you do that? How can you take the FBI and use them as a weapon? You cannot do that, right? But they did it. Okay. So I'm probably offending like three fourths of the congregation right here, right now, right? You might have missed that one. Well, I didn't miss it. And I, I I tell you, it took me like uh, about twenty four hours to get over that. You know, I just thought, how in the world have we got to the place where our government has been so weaponized? And they did it for pure uh, 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 intimidation. Uh, there was no crime. The local authorities had determined that there was no problem there. They did it to intimidate because somebody was on the wrong side of abortion. And so they assumed, right? And they wanted to make an example of them. No more of this, you know, fight against abortion. So that's what happened. So we know that. Okay. So that and a hundred other things that you guys could think of and know better than I do. But nevertheless, God had to deal with me on this. When I get in that place, I can't think straight. I don't hear straight. I stop losing the voice of God. For the Father loves the Son, Jesus said, and shows Him all that He's doing. I'll get to that in a minute again. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all He's doing. So that's how Jesus knew what He was supposed to do, right? So if my heart's full of anger and bitterness and I'm mad, you know, what can, how can I see what I'm supposed to do? Now, I'm not saying that all anger is bad. I'm just saying if we're going to be mad, be mad in a smart way. A God-smart way. Just hear what God has to say about your life. Don't react. Some people... With regard to movements people are doing, moving from state to state and house to place and place, just make sure that God's telling you to do that. Right? If 
it's a reaction because this area is getting corrupt, you're not going to go someplace where there's no corruption. I'm sorry. It's impossible. One end of this nation to the other is corrupt. Some states may have a government that you like and you're more favored to it, but how can you guarantee that that's going to happen the next election or the next election? Haven't we been shocked enough? Has anybody been shocked enough about how things happen that we never thought could happen in states and places we never thought could happen? So it's important. Don't let offense cool your love, especially for God and others, so you can think clearly and hear His voice clearly. And you're not on some like rampage, you know? Wow. And so, and if you do move, which God has been having people to do, you know, when the hurricane hits the place where you move, what are you going to do then? Well, here's what you do then. God told me to leave here and I'm staying. I live here, I'm staying here, and I'm going to help rebuild this place because God called me here and the love of God's here. This must be my assignment. A ravaged Florida. That must be my assignment. I didn't know it was going to be my assignment, but here I am, and I know good and well God called me here, so I'm going to help the people rebuild this place. You see what I'm saying? That's love. That's compassion. That's real Christianity. That's really walking with God, right? I don't think there are many places to escape. I'm sorry. I wish I could tell you better news. If I could be guaranteed of that, I tell you, I'd have a really hard time staying here, <laughs> right? I'm sorry, the whole world is in this place of change. So wherever you are, wherever God sends you, make sure you turn that little light on and shine it, right? Right? So how to find the tenderness of love again? This is the last part. Forgive God, forgive others, and step out from under the box. All right? So, but I mean the box, the box of offense. Uh, it's really, really important. And um, so that scandalon thing I was telling you about earlier, so, you know, a bait stick. So there's a trip thing. So when you pull that stick, it comes down on your head, right? So whatever you do, don't take the bait of Satan. The bait of Satan is bitterness and anger. You pull that down and you're in the box, right? Forgive others and step out from under the box. Then you can see clearly everybody else. Forgiveness means to stop waiting for others to make things right. In your own families, could I just highly recommend that? I mean, some of your kids may have gone AWOL in their theology and their, like, what they think politically or whatever, whatever, right? Just stop waiting for them to make it right. Just love them and let God help them make it right. If you wait too long, I mean, you're going to wait like five years for your uh, kid to have the right political ideology or whatever, right? Or the right walk with God. What about the five years? You can still be a Christian with them, right? So you've got to stay out from under that box of offense. See the bait, the scandal on, scandalized. You pull the stick, it comes down on your head, right? Forgiveness means to stop judging others for what they've done to you. And that's not easy to do. But that keeps your heart tender, and that keeps your ears open, and that gives you the right place and the right understanding of what you're supposed to do now even on a private level with your kids and with your family, and then on a bigger level, like, where do I move, what do I do, how do I vote, etc., etc. Let God heal you of inner brokenness. Sometimes deliverance from demonic oppression may be necessary. We are to be intimately involved with each other's freedom and healing. And that's something that I love about our church so much, because we've taken that to heart. And uh, so we're getting better and better at healing the inside and the outside. I'm just so proud of the healing rooms. I've been watching them. And they just show up day in and day on Wednesdays. They show up. There's a physical healing that we do in, here in the sanctuary. 
And I tell you, we're seeing uh, so many. Isn't that right, Bob? Bob, right there, Bob and his wife, they've been doing this for years. Just, and teams, oh, I know like five or six of you can see here. They're just praying for people who are sick right here in this room. And uh, what day is that, Bob? What day are you here? Bob, what day are you here? What day, what day are you here? What, what day are you here? Wednesday afternoons. Okay, great. <laughs> Beginning about noon, right? Or somewhere in there? Yeah, for a couple of hours. How many, you know, like 15 people working with you, and they're all on teams, right? And they pray for people who are sick. Uh, sick of anything. <laughs> I'm coming next Wednesday. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, how many in here are part of those healing teams that have been part of that? Just raise your hands. aside. Got one by over here, a couple over here, over here, and there, Bob in the back. All right. Praise God. Thank you. We really appreciate that. But also the inner healing part. We have tremendous ministry. So on Wednesdays we have uh, classes that we do. And one of those classes is devoted to helping you find your way mentally and emotionally and interacting with others, as is the Celebrate Recovery. But on Wednesday nights we have classes with kids, things for the kids to do. And, and so and my class is in here called Life in the Spirit, kind of, acclimates me to you and you and we're just starting so come and join us and uh, kind of get you acclimated to our crazy church right but these other classes are amazing and one of my favorites also is how we handle internal issues like we're talking about here so there's a whole class devoted to that and a whole counseling thing that's developing around it which is becoming excuse me more and more effective all right Isaiah 61 1 to 3 The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. This is a prophecy about Jesus. Because the Lord has anointed me, and by extension Jesus, us, to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners. That's Jesus' goal. That's Jesus' ministry. That's our ministry as Christians. This is what we do. We bind up the brokenhearted. We proclaim freedom for the captives. We release from darkness the prisoners. That's why we got to stay out of darkness and depression and heaviness and not be joined with everybody else, right? We've got to stay above that, not of the brokenheartedness and all of it. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't experience those emotions, but God's anointing helps us get through it, and then we become people that are a part of this calling that's on Jesus, that the extension's on us. This is what we do, too. Number two, we proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. That's part of our job description. And provide for those who grieve in Zion. Uh, has there been a little bit of grieving in Zion? I mean, I tell you what, I've never seen so many of us been in so many difficult uh, situations. Some of you in this room are just grieving. You're in a place of grief. Whatever the loss caused, whatever it was that caused you loss or pain, a loss of a job, loss of a family, loss of whatever. So we're supposed to not only get through that, but also then help others to grieve and get through to the other side. And sometimes, even we're not completely over it, helping other people get over it helps us to get over it, right? The deep grieving that's going on. But this is the ministry of Jesus. See, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me, Jesus, to do this by extension us, the Christians. We got his name. Notice that in Christian. Provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They'll be called oaks of righteousness, a plan of the Lord for the display of his splendor. So we don't want to be carrying a spirit of despair and mourning and anger and grieving and vengeance. (laughs) We want to be on the other side. Right? So it's so important. But this is part of the ministry 
of Jesus, right? James 5, 13 to 20. I just want to read this. Some of these passages so important. They're, this helps us understand our, our, our job description, right? Oh, Peter, you're in the way again. Would somebody please put up James for me? I got it. Now I found it. James 5, 13. What page is it on? Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. How, Lord, do we be effective in this environment? Well, evidently, if I pray together with other people so they might be healed, I might have a way to make a dent in this. Because the power of a righteous person, just any old prayer, it's powerful and it's effective. The only reason why our prayers will not be powerful and effective is if the church ever quits believing that they have any power and effectiveness. We forget we're powerful and effective, then we'll lose it. But if we believe, because everything in the kingdom moves by faith. It moves by faith. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We're not just anybody. So when we band together and pray, it causes the earth to shake. It causes things to tremble. And when you and your wife get together, you and your son get together, and you agree about anything, it's powerful and effective. We've got to remember that's who we are. But there's this part, confess your sins to each other. So we don't do it in this bravado or this, like, we're super people. No. In our weakness, we say, I did it. I messed up. I'm this place. But, you know, nevertheless, the blood of Jesus covers my sin. Nevertheless, I can stand in grace together with my brothers and sisters, and I can agree in prayer, and I can cause the mountains to move. And that you can't take from us. That's a matter of what we do in here. No political issue there. It's what happens between us. The only thing politics is how we handle God on the inside of us, right? So we need to agree with God about our own stuff. We need to renounce bad attitudes. And then we need to be able to verbally break demonic power off our life and other people's life in Jesus' name. So if you look down at uh, point C there at the bottom of your outline, let's go back to Matthew chapter 24. So I'm just going to read here uh, verses 12 and 13. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. So watch your heart. Don't let it grow cold. It should grow hotter. We should be hotter than we've ever been. And we've been abused a little bit. There's been some things and decisions made that have caused us some very big discomfort. Some of us lost our jobs. Some of us have had all kinds of things happening, unfair treatment. But listen... Even though wickedness is increasing, here's the thing that we cannot let go. The love of God. We can't let it grow cold. And to not let it grow cold means we have to be good forgivers, but also great receivers. And neither one of those can be clogged by unforgiveness or opinions masquerading as love or, or justice when actually we're just ticked off. We have to watch our heart, right? Right? So our love doesn't grow cold. 
hot love, love full of compassion. I'll tell you what, you can do a, a lot of things in Jesus' name that way. I mean, it's just the heart has to be there, right? And don't let your heart shrivel up and grow cold. And That would go in past times for all the ways that people have abused us and uh, treated us bad and divorce situations and horrible things. We can't let our love go cold. But also as a people and this community and the whole world right now, the only thing we've got to do is mind our hearts, stay hot after God, stay bathed in compassion, and we're going to be just fine because our prayers reach to the heavens. God's not deaf. He's hearing everything we said. So nothing's in the way. And we have bounded together, bound together each other, agreeing in a true prayer of agreement. And the heavens are shifting. We can't let love grow cold because it says here, the love of most will grow cold and we will not. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And there's this little agenda popping back here. We get to take part in the joy of the ages. That's the very end of your thing there. And this gospel of the kingdom we preach in the whole world is a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. I don't know what generation will be the last generation. But if you judge by what's been going on already in this last passage, we're getting close. We have never seen so much movement to Christ in the uh, history of humanity. Not even 10 years ago was as dramatic as it is right now. And you hear about these nations on the outside, like Iran, for example, or other Middle Eastern nations, or other nations. But we might not know, like in Ukraine, the fire of the gospel that's being released on the inside. I've never seen the church as awake and dynamic as I have in, in Europe uh, now. They are fully, totally on awake, reaching over to the nations around them, beside them, doing every kind of benevolence. It's amazing to see. This is where we're all headed. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world.